0: This bonus episode oh, yeah. of Love is the Author features the incredible story oh, yeah. of someone I've been mentoring for the last year, Ben Pecorari, Is oh, yeah. now opening a space in Ventura that will undoubtedly be the new spot.
1: Everything, everything, everything gonna be alright this morning.
0: Ben was born sick, hospitalized and spent the first few years of his life very, very ill, and later on was diagnosed heavily with bipolar. Ben is a fucking miracle person, and I cannot wait to share with you this unbelievable story of all of what he's risen above to find a reason to live, and I'll offer this His new place, Wants and Needs, opening in December, downtown Ventura, California, on Main Street, a primo location that will feature art, tattoo, music, food, and all-ages venue for the youth to be able to see music. This all came about through our sessions, working together for the last year, Ben reveals just how suicidal he was when we began our work, and you'll hear why and understand ready for a miracle. You're sitting in the presence of one. It's a conversation with Ben Pecorari about the upcoming venue and gallery Wants and Needs. Opening in Ventura, December 3rd, 2022.
1: Well, what's your experience right now sitting here, Ben? Well, oh, I just came over and you had a, a surprise that required consent. <laughs> <laughs> so we <Ooh>. came... <laughs> Intrigued already. Uh. <laughs> yeah. um, so here we are with a couple of microphones, and uh. hopefully, this isn't a total car crash. <laughs> I showed Ben the buttons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Benjamin buttons? Yeah,
1: try not to abuse it.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, so Ben and I, how long has it been?
1: How long has it been? <laughs> <laughs> a year. Uh huh. And some change, probably, at this point.
0: I want to tell you sort of my experience hearing about you before you came into my life. I worked with one of your family members. (laughs) I worked with your sister, Rachel. What? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When Lacey and I were leaving our center, Good Heart in Santa Barbara, which is still there, Good Heart Recovery, Mm -hmm. Um, when we were leaving, in the last month, they hired three new interns to come in and be primary therapists there. Handle some of the jobs, and we were tasked to train them, and it was a, exactly the way that we would have wanted it. You know, so we, that's when I met Rachel, and yeah. she was one of the three that got hired, and we were just like, thank God. Thank God it's Rachel and Annie and Kelsey. Thank God yeah. it's them taking this over and holding something that we've left here, you know, Mm -hmm. and we got really close in that month and it was kind of like by the end, you know, we were all kind of sad (laughs) in this short amount of time to part ways, but I felt very confident about leaving and putting it in Rachel's hands. And then months later, I started working with her through mentorship and i had heard about you. I'd heard, Glimpses, and that um, Rachel's brother was struggling and had been struggling for a long time. Do you relate to that?
1: I do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's always been very in tune with how I'm doing, right? You know, in the present, and is very well aware of. I mean, more than anybody of my my upbringing and yeah. and everything that contributed to my struggles yes so, and she's always been a huge advocate of you know mental health and yeah uh, mental health awareness so she's yeah. been huge in, in, in helping me uh get through this yeah. a huge part of getting me in touch with you so
0: well and i was reluctant yeah you were struggling to stay alive yeah and that's where your life had taken you is that you were struggling to want to be here yeah. After what had happened.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean I've I've gone through so many bouts of depression that have gone to suicidal places and you know, every time they get worse and um they're usually spaced out about a year and a half or two years. Um, sometimes more frequent, but this most recent one, which is when I was kind of pre um, seeing you yeah. was, you know. Was it especially? It was uh, especially rough and I well, thought and so it was going to be the last one. And
0: uh, I'd heard about that. Those are your struggles. I just left working in high severity where people die all the time. You know, I just left working with people in these extreme traumas, life or death situations. And I'm really good at it. But I needed a break. I thought. <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> I thought I did. What I really just needed to be. What I found later was just out of the system. I needed to be out of the system and doing this work. I needed to be out of the system.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of all of it. I've been in therapy for fucking 20 years now. Yeah. Consistently in therapy for 20 years.
0: Consistently therapy for 20 years. What else? What are some of the other
1: things? I mean, I've been on every form of medication other than antidepressants, My whole life, because I was diagnosed bipolar really, really early on, um, when I was 12 or 13, they diagnosed me as bipolar.
0: What was going on then to make it look like you were bipolar?
1: I was just depressed and had ADD. Yeah. And those are two extreme feelings that might resemble mania.
0: And as we'll get into, none of those things are anomalous.
1: No. And (laughs) And so
0: they're all linked to moments in your life that hurt, that weren't resolved by by that point 13. And it's showing up as an, um, an almost an untreatable thing, even though it's been diagnosed.
1: Well, it's, you know, so dependent on, you know, staying on your meds and being in, you know, pretty consistent therapy. I mean, at that point I was going to therapy, I think two or three times a week. Wow. Um, it was just so interesting. I've been to so many therapists, but it was always pulling teeth to get me to say anything. It wasn't mm. even, I was, yeah, I was making shit up. Cause I didn't know what else to fucking say, or just mm. my sessions were filled with silence. And it was like, what are wow. we doing?
0: Somebody's riding that shit out and charging. For
1: yeah. And I, that's been a really tough thing for me is feeling abused by the system. Right before we started our first session, I had kind of given up and, you were gonna die. Oh yeah, I was very ready for it, and I hadn't made a plan at that point. But I was reluctant to try anything because I've tri- I felt like I'd kind of just tried everything. And mm-hmm. did um, you believe
0: Rachel when she said anything good about me and that it being different? Did you? Did you? Were you? Did you still have that long term reluctance and go like, well, just I'll give it a shot? Or well, the
1: turn on yeah. for you was that you weren't a therapist, right? <laughs> like. <laughs> It just felt more relaxed. I felt like I could breathe, and we haven't had any trouble talking. I mean, I yeah. can talk your I talk your ears off every time we get together. And it's oh, my ears
0: are still here. So that's I'm hearing about you for a while, and then I go, yeah, no, that's 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 probably not for me. Before you yeah. even ask, and then you ask, hey, I'm interested in doing sessions. You reach out to Lacey. and and of course, all I have is knowing
1: how things have have been for you? Well, it was also really interesting cause I was doing a ketamine trial. Oh wow. Um, I did a ketamine trial for three months before I started with you. Um, which was supposed to be helpful for treatment resistant depression, which it's is basically like seeing the non-therapist. Yeah. And it was just so bizarre cause I was way over prescribed, um, and was taking ketamine orally every other day for three months. Um, I was taking, you know, easily twice as much as I should have been, which resulted in losing a sense of reality completely. Yeah. Um, So when I started with you, I was just in a really weird place altogether. I was really depressed and it didn't help with that. And I was just so disassociated with everything at that point that I didn't really understand. And that's a really scary place to be when you're suicidal <laughs> when right. you don't know the consequences for things yeah and it is kind of like a dreamlike state so the timing of all this was just really interesting i had started going to a new psychiatrist um, who was recommended to me and he actually re-diagnosed me um from bipolar to borderline personality disorder oh my god <laughs> So all of a sudden I was allowed oh to start taking antidepressants and you know, I did, I took the the first one that he prescribed me was, is the one I'm still on today uh-huh. and it's just made a huge difference in having faith again and all in the system. And it's just, wow. it's a really cool thing to kind of realize. I mean, I wish I realized it a lot sooner. I wish they had realized it a lot sooner.
0: Yeah. By the time you reach out to me to do sessions, are are the meds working?
1: Basically, he he was on that recommended the ketamine treatment. It didn't work, and then he was like, "I think that you should look into um, to psilocybin." Yeah, um, and experimenting with that. Um, oh wow, that was a big part of my draw to you initially. Yeah, and here we are, and we've never done we've never a, even done psychedelics. <laughs> never done psychedelics. And, <laughs> It's I'm just. just really I am the psychedelic man. Yeah, I just. <laughs> it was never necessary, but it, it right. led me to you as part of my my journey of of figuring out how to figure out this depression thing.
0: Yeah. So when when the inquiry comes in for me, I go, well, "What's going on here?" And I think I think uh, even your sister reached out maybe directly to me and said, "He's doing other things now, and he's really balanced." And so yeah, I think it'd be great. And and I was like. That's all I need, really. We got close in our time together, her and I, working not just at the end of Good Heart, but in our sessions. And and I just really trust where she's been in life and Mm -hmm. where she is now. And so that's really it. And that's what it is, is in this process, we become these people that are reliable sources. Yeah. And that's mainly what I'm trying to do, is not make me the dependency, but make you the ongoing resource.
1: Absolutely. And that's the one of the biggest things I've learned is to, you know, be with myself and and get myself through situations now. That was just never something that was taught to me growing up. Because it was always like, oh, you can always fall on your therapist or depend on your therapist or Yeah. I don't regret going to therapy. I don't regret any of it, but I'm glad to be at a point where I can be my own therapist to a yeah. certain extent, you know. And
0: We got really close. Things started to click. And about ten months in you show up for a session and you said, I have to tell you this to begin our session. He said, uh, when I first started working with you, I was sure I was going to kill myself. I did not want to live. And you said, and now I love life. I love my life. Yeah. It's, and, and, and I was like, is this the first time that you've ever felt that way? And you confirmed it.
1: Yeah. There's, there's now excitement. (laughs) That's huge. And, been a huge part of working with you is finding the purpose and finding my role and, you know, bringing joy to others and myself. And it's been, it's been huge. And and here we are. And I don't know, I don't I don't feel it anymore. That's amazing. And now we're going to Quentin Tarantino, this
0: shit and just jump back. Like in Pulp Fiction, we're going to jump to some earlier scene. You're born into a situation where very early in life you experienced illness.
1: Well, I was born Sick and was in the hospital for a little over a week for just tests and whatnot. I was really small and ended up, um, you know, from the start uh, throwing up uh, five or six times a day until I was, you know, six years old. You Could see every rib in my body. It was just wow. I was just deathly sick all the time and, and throwing up all the time. Yeah, and I, and it's still. Something that I don't truly understand, and I think just goes back to my nerves and yeah. Well, anxiety. why would your nerves
0: provoke you to want to throw up every day? What was going on with your dad?
1: Uh, well, at that point, he was just—I didn't even realize—but he was drinking a bunch, and um, you know, not really around. But later, it, it really became uh, an issue, and.
0: Did you want his attention? Do you remember wanting his attention that was unavailable?
1: Not really. He's just not an important figure in my... I mean, he's important for a million reasons, but... Right. He was not significant in a physical sense because he just wasn't there. I just don't... I don't have really any memories of him being around. Um, Even though you shared a home? Yeah, we shared a home together until we were... Until I was 11 or 10, um, which is when everything kind of fell apart and... And what's that? Um, He was just going on benders and ended up making some death threats to the family. To you and
0: your mom and your sister,
1: yes? Yeah. And um, he destroyed our house and burned a bunch of stuff and just like took a sledgehammer to everything and just destroyed it. So we got um, restraining orders and he was arrested and... Um, Wait, he's arrested by like his brother or something. Yeah. His brother. We had called his brother cause we didn't know what to do. And his brother's had, a cop. Yeah. At the time he was a cop and, um, wow, arrested him. Arrest. I, I remember bits and pieces and certain days and events, but God bless you for it. Yeah. It's the, probably helped to keep you alive. Jesus, Not, you know, disassociating as long as you have. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause it's just so such a, it was such a big deal at the moment. My mom had cancer at the time. And, oh, it was all like just happening at once. And so she's
0: got an invader from the inside and an invader from the outside to worry about someone who's threatening her life that she has restraining orders against and So she's battling this, this inside and outside with no escape.
1: Yeah, it's fucking amazing that she's. <laughs> yeah, she's a strong woman. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Right. We had security at our house for like years, like patrolling our house. <laughs> to, wow. And he would drive by, and and it was just like a you whole. Get alerted thing. if he was near, kind of. Thing. Yeah, it was like within thirty miles or something, and he had to drive through Santa Barbara to get to work, which is the only way he could get through the restraining order or whatever. Um, so I get texts at school that he was, you know, every single day that he was coming through and just like, Jesus,
0: no safety no. anywhere in the world. No. So that's, I mean, I wonder why you're not doing so well. I don't yeah. And anything. that's
1: when I really started, you know, abusing drugs and, and alcohol and
0: well, and then they, they diagnosed that they go, you know what?
1: Don't worry. You're bipolar. Don't yeah. worry. So I'm on ten different meds, you know.
0: Right. And does this look like I mean, no, the household is fucking bipolar, homie.
1: Yeah. It's well, yeah. crazy when you're a twelve year old and yeah. or a thirteen year old and they're throwing around these big words around and, and You're you broken. Know. Hey, you're broken, but don't worry. Yeah, and then it's follow this script. Yep. And follow follow these directions. Now I have a bipolar direction of how to live. And yeah. I really felt like I needed to play that role for a long time. It was interesting.
0: Mm, Right. And then, so, so you start getting, you're showing all these signs, but here's the thing in your immediate household, everybody's equally traumatized there. Everybody's survivors of a shipwreck. And so, you know, uh, attention to you suffering or Rachel suffering or mom suffering, all of that was just so absorbed. By these traumas that you guys had been inflicted upon. Absolutely. And so you can't see each other necessarily. And you start probably, okay, well, there's a diagnosis. Okay, so Ben's suffering in this way, but it's looked at medically, almost psychiatrically, Mm -hmm. as if, like, you know, as if it's not a correlating thing to all these past events. But of course not. You know, people aren't going to see that because you're all swimming in the ocean. Sure. It's like a fish going, like, you know, what are you talking about, ocean? (laughs)
1: <laughs> totally Right Yeah And and it was You know Soon after that I got in a bad car accident And oh that was just god. Just added on more trauma And That's when I got You know Sent away Or whatever Is this just, Africa Or somewhere else No My like, therapeutic boarding school Oh my god That was when I was 16 I got Taken out of high school and And Sent to A little town In Costa Rica For A little over a year To Work on stuff.
0: And and what happened what what was LA? Uh
1: I was in trouble the whole time. mm And then they basically were like, you're never gonna leave. Mm. <laughs> Cause you're a minor A and we're the ones that are corresponding with your parents oh, wow. about how you're doing. So yeah. if you're keep fucking up here we're gonna keep reporting, you're not doing well, and they're not gonna have you home. Now looking back on that now,
0: do you I mean, even though that wasn't the way to reach you at that moment necessarily, sure. Do you look back on it and go like, well, they were doing their job trying to care for me? Or is it like was it a unjust do you feel like they were throwing their weight around unnecessarily? And what's question. the name and the
1: address of the plate? No <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, straight up. <laughs> yeah, was, I I don't know, I have mixed feelings about it it definitely helped me graduate high school. I definitely wasn't on a path to graduate high school. So, mm. um, that was cool. Um, therapy wise, I just, when you're in therapy for, I've just been in therapy for so long and I've had so many different therapists and it was just, it just didn't feel different. So I just bullshitted them and got to the top of the ladder there and was doing so well and was allowed to leave. Mm. <laughs> and, Completed high school out there. and Oh, and, so
0: you just finished out there? Yeah. Oh, my God. And you learned how to play the game, but it was not... Well, I graduated
1: okay. right when I turned... Because it was year-round, so I graduated high school like right when I turned 17. Yeah. Like six months early um, from... when I, I mean, when I got home, everyone was still in their senior year of high school for the next six months. Oh, gotcha. I got home like three weeks before the car accident. Mm-hmm. G- I was... 15 when i went to africa
0: and so so around that time the the car crash had happened car crash happened you're traumatized on top of traumatized on top of traumatized sure
1: yeah (laughs) there's layers i know that we can laugh at such a (laughs) innocent sounding trip to go to africa and do this you know service trip and and what appeals to you at this point we were just getting really into drumming. There was a couple of music courses that we we could take and dance courses that were just really rad. Oh sweet! Um, Learning just felt about like a the lot drum from
0: the birthplace of the drum. as Yeah, Jack D. Says. it
1: was it was an incredible you know sounding trip, but it was. I mean, I abused the hell out of it. Did you? A, oh yeah. In I what got, way? I got drunk and oh, I was okay. getting just. Thank God, I had a great time, but yeah, uh, yeah, but it turned into such a serious, uh, you know, reality check for me. Yeah, um, in certain part in in certain regards. Well, let's talk about that big thing
0: that happens in Africa. That's really a peek behind the curtain, as far as I'm concerned, of who you are. This you that's emerging now, and this
1: you that I've known all the time in sessions. Just kind of a cocky. So like i feel like it's like such an ego story i, I just i'm happy to talk opposite. about it but you're it's... the
0: anti-ego well thank you yeah. yeah yeah so that's where it's coming from so i'm asking you don't worry you're not just telling us regaling yeah. us that's ego yeah i'm asking you what happened
1: in africa that was insane being in Mampong, which is the town we were in um just like a town of like i don't know it's like a village of like 200 people, maybe Mm -hmm. Um, that's where our service project was. So we were building a school and teaching English and um, you know, just doing all this volunteer work. And um, the moment we got there, the chief of the village kind of sent his son to look out for me and just kind of pulled me aside right away to not do the service stuff, which sounds shitty. Um, But (laughs) Instead of building and stuff, it was it was so weird, but I was, you know, with the chiefs of the village and I was like hanging with them and walking around and, and that's what doing all, all the greats work. do. It was just so bizarre. I was like, I'm here to like work and like, here yeah, but, I am wearing the clothes that they gave me. And oh just, my like, God, it was just really, yeah, that was, the chiefs gave you. Yeah. Was, wow. Yeah. Dude. Off his back. It was like cra- a crazy experience.
0: So then this crazy thing happens that just, and he, he shows you your
1: power. He tries to. Yeah, so we're we're in the classroom teaching this group of kids English or something, and there's all this. We can hear all this commotion outside. So, you know, I like kind of poke my head out, and there's just like a group of people standing around, and it's like this whole thing. Um, so I go back in and telling everybody what's going on, and then the chief comes over and, and is like, "We need you." And I was kind of standing there, like, "Are you looking at me? Like me?" So. I ended up going out there with the chief um, and told everybody to like stay inside and, and, you know, I'll be right back to explain what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mind you, we have two, you know, like leaders of the group that are like adults. Yeah. And he then, said, we need you. <laughs> yeah. So I go out there and there's a, you know, a lot of commotion, and big group of people. And, um, turns out there's a dying, Woman who was slaughtered with a machete, um, and then you know next to her was the the guy who did it, who was getting his ass kicked. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they were just beating beating him down and, wow. and throwing rocks at him, and it's a whole thing. Um, and they wanted my guidance on how to go through this, I guess. Or <laughs> I, I I don't. It was never what the- <laughs> very clear why I was involved. Um, but they ended up telling me that it was his, you know, third, <laughs> third strike and he was the town drunk and they ended up tying him up and putting they him what in. What should we do though? Right. And what did you say? I said, we should probably get the police involved. You know, there isn't a police station. here. There's, there's nothing here. Yeah. You know, for miles. Yeah. And so they were just like, we're going to It's this third strike. We're going to take care of it. How we take care of it. And they tied him up and put him in the back of a truck and, you know, all of a sudden there's all this commotion again, and I'm like, we know what happened. We we've figured this out. Yeah. Um. How could there be more commotion right now? Yeah. Um. And you know, in the di- it was like out of a movie. In the distance is the son of the woman who was killed running to see what was going on. He came over and and he got in the back of the truck and you know it was beaten on the guy and and then they put the the body in the back of the truck and just like a dead body wow. the culprit and the son in the back of the truck and they were just i mean you know they took took care of him i guess wow. um but that was a, a big moment and that was the first body that I'd, I'd ever seen and it just was so beyond gruesome mm. um really stuck with me. Um, How did you handle it? Are you crying? Are you standing still? Are you frantic? What's no, I'm like really calm. <laughs> wow. It was like a really, I mean, it was not a calm moment, but it was intense obviously, but it just was like, just felt so ordinary. It is yeah. really bizarre because I just felt like it, it didn't feel like you're in Santa Barbara and someone just hacked somebody with a machete and Santa whatever, yeah. like that, I don't know why, but that's just, that's, that's incredible. You know, headline news you know yes for and this sure. just was you know this never made the news there's right. no news you know right
0: you know you're I, seeing natural almost like natural law without um commercialism yeah and without like uh, uh media and all that you're just seeing like a, a, a actual happening of an event and human beings being asked to come up with something to deal with this yeah. event and this is the
1: way it's always been done sure you yeah. know Until now, like you say. Yeah, yeah. So, a few days later, actually, I got probably the sickest I've ever been in my life um, and was being driven around to different hospitals in Ghana.
0: Oh, my God, away from your family, away from your homeland. You're in fucking Africa with an illness. Dude, I
1: I woke up (sighs) the day we're supposed to leave. (laughs) Oh, my God. Come back to the States. And I must have thrown up. I just couldn't stop. It was, you know, oh. and I thought I was going to die. I just, I went to like a million different hospitals. I didn't, they didn't think I was going to be able to fly. They got in touch with somebody in the Ghanaian government and mm. was going to have me stay with this guy and take care of me and reroute your whole life. Yeah. I mean, I was going to stay behind and that was a really scary feeling. <laughs> you might be a uh, chief in a tribe right now. Yeah. If that right? Happened. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up being able to fly home and, that was that, but then you know, three weeks later, I got in my my car wreck, and Jesus,
0: it's after.
1: And then it's maybe a month or two after that was when I got sent away to Costa Rica. Costa Rica, and uh, what was
0: your the accident, the trauma to the body like? Uh, I had no trauma to my
1: body, which is great. We basically we just we drove off a ravine, yeah, um, going like a hundred miles an hour. Wow, and, and not under the influence just strictly like under the influence of adrenaline, dumb fucking teenagers. Right. Right. Um, Hormones. Yeah. So, um, I was in the back left. So that was the, apparently the best place to be in a car if you're mm-hmm. in an accident. Mm-hmm. Um, cause the driver usually turns away from themselves just instinctually. Yeah. Um, and then my buddy Eli, who I went to Africa with was in the same <laughs> car accident. He was in the passenger seat and got, the brunt of it. So he got third degree burns, you know, all over his body and, um, was in the, um, Sherman Oaks burn center for like three weeks, I believe. Mm. Um, wow, Jesus. And I, I just, I couldn't sleep. I had night terrors. I had you know, flashbacks during the day. I, I mean, it was, I was messed up from it. He's
0: um, Eli sounds like one of your only, um, not tied to the story sources of love in the world that's like enduring through yeah. all this yeah and that's why i live with him today <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah you guys are roommates so. yeah and you're a drummer i am a drummer a walking gallery of tattoos i mean just filled to the brim i know there's still some room you got some you got a head left or something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> maybe some uh yeah, inner thigh shit long. or yeah. something but um you know, you and I bonded through the work speaking about Harmony Corinne. And to me, you're kind totally. of, you're a Harmony Corinne to me. Thank you. That means a lot. And we're about to do a, a Harmony Corinne ish project we together. Are. And that's what this whole podcast is about. But <laughs>
1: but talk about what um, what you're into. What are your favorite things? It's crazy because, you know, a year ago, you're not into anything. And yeah. here we are. And I just could talk forever about my interests. I'm just...
0: When did you get your first tattoo?
1: I got, no, I got my first tattoo on my 18th birthday.
0: Oh, nice.
1: And then I got my second tattoo the next day <laughs> and oh, nice. that was kind of the pattern. Yeah. You know, did you grow up with
0: skateboard culture?
1: I grew up skating. Yeah. And who'd you like? I was never very good. Um, were you a Powell Peralta person coming from well, Santa I grew Barbara? up, yeah, I grew up in, with Ari Powell and, and a lot of those guys. And, oh,
0: really? Is that George's um, son? Run. Relative. Oh, son. Okay, yeah. Gotcha.
1: Um, That's cool Yeah so I get like boards from him and stuff Which is cool Yeah Um, But no that was That was short lived I got into BMX shortly after that and uh-huh. uh, That was kind of the vibe And I thought I was really cool And mm-hmm. I BMX'd a bunch and, and listened to like Iron Maiden And Judas Priest And Motorhead And mm. got into that scene Which is really fun Um, And you've and been then, a drummer Well what got me into drumming Initially was Going to my My first concert Was the Commodores And it was just like A fat getting a brick house and, Dude, and that was like so what rad. did it for me. Yeah. <laughs> and so funk was a huge, huge part, you know, alongside with metal. I was just all over. I've always been all over the place. I mean, I don't have any, there's no cohesion to any of my tattoos or anything I listen to. I, you know, I, I threw on my on repeat on the way here and it was like going between Black metal and like the saddest, softest country <laughs> folk, <laughs> and everywhere in between. It was really fun, a really fun drive. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm into gardening. I'm obsessed with gardening now. And yeah, the um,
0: bonsai thing has come in in the last year. Yeah, right? like in, since From we've you. been working together. It it gave came- me- Dude, that's insane. You it gave came me from that me giving you that little fucking kit. <laughs> what? Yeah. That started this love affair that you mm-hmm. have? I still haven't put that together.
1: Yeah. And now we've got like a big vegetable garden, which is kind of my new thing that I'm really into and uh, growing pot for the first time, which is really fun. I right don't um, Well, how did I you mean, get into bartending? Because that's been a huge... Hold I got up. into bartending because I was a dishwasher at a really shitty restaurant in Santa Barbara and... Um, do you want to name it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're not even around anymore. Okay. Thank God. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a health risk. <laughs> oh, was such a shitty job. I got I paid you. fucking like 40 bucks a shift. I swear to God after taxes, it was like, this is not worth it at all. I don't yeah. know how I'm still doing this. Um, but my bandmate, Mike got me, it was working as the manager at Sama Sama. Mm-hmm. big shout out i actually went there last night mm,
0: uh, great was food. so
1: good the bar next door the good lion and they needed a door person <laughs> so i was like all right like it paid better than my dishwashing gig so i started doing that and then they were like we need a bar back and then from there, floor server and then you want to take your big hundred test you want to do do the big classics test and start bartending we'll teach you and i was like sure was that sexy to you that was sexy to me. It was quickly. I became obsessed with it, and mm. um, once I started bartending, I kind of just got thrown into it, mm-hmm. and I just fell in love with creating it and the, you know, high energy and meeting all these cool people. I've met so many people. I know everybody. You know, not yeah. on a, not even on a name basis because I just and probably but, some of their secrets. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, so I bartended for. Six years, maybe.
0: You're saying up until zi- recently. Yeah. yeah. Well, m- one of my favorite stories is you leaving the good line and 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 uh, how you got the job.
1: Oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at
0: sushi bar, which is like the premier sushi place in California,
1: Nevada. Where Where are they? They're everywhere. Dude, they have. They're trying to open up. I think they have like six right now. Michelin
0: star place. It's the place that you go.
1: It's, yeah, it's a ten seat omakase. Um, 17 bites of food, but I got hired there while tripping really hard on mushrooms. Um, the day after I got my hands fully tattooed, and um, and you had some drinks in you too. Oh, right? I was hammered. I was <laughs> you <laughs> got
0: hired,
1: dude, on the spot. They took me to the kitchen or the like back area, and I signed paper. Like hammered,
0: dude. Tripping, okay, so like, you went in to eat.
1: Yeah, I went in to eat and it's I've been there, you had
0: me there and it's yeah. literally like walking into a bu- like a box you're, yeah it's just there it is and there's no there's not a lot of room it's sit just at the counter you sit at the counter and- and boom and so you're there and you're tripping balls and drunk. I get
1: really confident when I'm drunk <laughs> <laughs> so. And they give you a job on the spot. they didn't even know as a bartender. They just wanted me to be there, dude. they were gonna just fit me in where they could find me, right? Yeah, you know, or where they where they needed me. And, and that's so. what the
0: chief saw, man. It's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. And don't worry, I'm saying it. I I don't even know yeah. if you believe it, but I'm telling you. Thank you. It's the same thing that that I've saw from the beginning.
1: Yeah, I'm just. I, I mean, there's you know a lot of good that came from bartending, but I'm I'm really happy to we moving on to some other projects. So while you're there at that job, which is, it pays well,
0: but it's not ideal. I mean, any place it might hire somebody uh, completely wasted might have some internal <laughs> shit going on. Yeah. But while you're there, you and I are doing sessions. And and I remember where Harmony Corin, the writer and director of like Gummo, he wrote Kids and he... He's an enigma. He is.
1: <laughs> He's art all summed up into he's the embodiment of art. He is, which is irreverence. He, yeah. I mean him he's on got-
0: Letterman in the nineties or whatever, where he's going on as a guest and you see this arc of, he's like a Andy Kaufman type. I was on the just going to
1: say he's Andy Kaufman. He's like the epitome of depression and that like, almost Elliot Smith era vibe and functional Elliot Smith. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. 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 (laughs) For now, Elliot um, Smith
0: with a mission other than to die. Yeah. Straight up. But with the same suicidal sort of like spirit that will make you take risks and all that, that's harmony. I mean, yeah.
1: And for, for me, beautiful losers, the documentary was one of the biggest inspirations behind where I'm kind of heading. Um, but Har- mean, talking you, you about watched Harmony you watch Harmony Corinne in this documentary and he's talking about his, you know, he's telling little kids about his friend's head getting cut off 10 years ago, right where they're standing. And he's just got a smile on his face. Well, that's like you, you right like,
0: now talking about the, <laughs> the beating and everything like you were there for that, too. And you can, yeah. you know what I mean? It's so similar. You know, it's just that's a thing that happens in this world. He's yes. telling it like a thing that happens rather than, hey, are you OK? He's just so
1: honest. I love it. And so that documentary is... It's just about the culture of this group of artists Mm -hmm. um, who are based in California, San Francisco, L.A. Um, You know, it goes into Shepard Ferry's upbringing a little bit, and Harmony Corrine, Aaron Rose wrote this documentary. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Ed Templeton's a big part of it. And, you know, skate culture, punk culture. um, Kind of bringing it all
0: together. Well, at least that gallery... That's in the documentary was kind of a subject of our
1: conversations,
0: where where you were like, I want to do something like
1: that. I've had the hardest time figuring out my medium and like what I do, and just I don't know. In the last few years, it's kind of come together, realizing the the artistic qualities behind curation and and composing. Yeah. <laughs> these different ideas I I mean and which are just endless so
0: so you're going like yeah I want a gallery space where like tattoos can be going on and like of course the art and like music and like a place where all these things can happen food bringing all the things that you love together that you've had experience with absolutely
1: And here we are the day after signing a lease for it's really weird to say out loud but a an art gallery um (laughs) <laughs> and you, know,
0: you fucking did it, yeah, man! Yeah.
1: I yeah, had a lot of fucking help. Um and but here we are, and we're opening up a fucking twelve hundred square foot gallery in Ventura. On Main Street. On Main Street. Um and tell them the name. It's called Wants and Needs Community Arts Collective. What's a um projected image of what
0: could be going down
1: there? Yeah, what will wanna, be going down? We want to be pop up centric. We want to have a lot of events, um which was honestly one of the scariest parts of the lease was throwing in after the fact we put we threw in events and entertainment and they like finally signed off on it. So oh, we're going to awesome. do all the events and all the entertainment. Um
0: And when you and I were growing up in different places, there was uh, all ages clubs to go to where you could see bands. Fuck like,
1: yeah, there's so many.
0: Yeah. And so
1: this will have that element. I want to have a huge element of of youth outreach and and having just a safe space for everybody i think it's just ridiculous to have all these venues and just you know the amount of shows i've gone and and stood outside and listened to the band i wanted to see because i wasn't old enough to go inside yeah um and that was just the vibe growing up and we lost it for so long there were so many and i just want to bring that to the community i just want to have a space for the community to to get inspired and feel at home and welcome.
0: And you invited me to have it be where I do my spiritual work. Absolutely. And I love also that the last time we spoke, there was sort of uh, an emphasis on a place that, that kids can come and, and,
1: and feel safe. Yeah. And it's becoming a bigger thing. Um, I know at least down South in LA, um, there's a few companies doing it where they're doing mocktails and really bringing the craft to to you know, non-alcoholic spirits and drinks and cocktails Absolute. and yeah, and I'm just so not a. I don't know. I love hardcore culture. Don't get me wrong, but there's something about the straight edge scene that I'm just I, I haven't grasped. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not what this is, right? Um, right. It's I want to be say. very clear. This is not a straight edge thing. It's at not a all. sober event. It's just not not a sober event. Yeah. <laughs> we just want to have it be. A safe space for everybody, right? It's a beautiful space with a
0: loft, hardwood floors, tall ceilings. Oh, it's gorgeous! Right on Main Street, down towards where all the thrift shops are, down by the park and yeah. and uh, and City Hall, just right there, prominent. You know, it's a beautiful space. It even has like Tibetan colors, like the red and the green. I know. It,
1: I was like, "What's going on here?" Yeah, no, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful building. I, I'm so I feel so fortunate to have somebody have faith in this project enough to let me sign the lease. So
0: yeah, man, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And congratulations on
1: loving your life. Thank you. My cheeks hurt from, <laughs> from smiling. I just, am so excited. It's all so new and, and I feel really ready for it, but I just, I'm just excited. I'm excited for tomorrow. You know, yeah, I'm excited yeah. for the rest of the day today to yeah. see what happens. Cause who the fuck knows what's going to happen. That's the amount of weird, you know, coincidences and things to, Look forward to. I don't know.
0: You know that's no small feat.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's a really weird feeling. Yeah, like in the most literal sense, it's just unusual. Yeah, for me, it's not something that I've. I mean, I had a whole lot of time to resonate in in that feeling. So right, I'm I'm just trying to take everything in right now. Enjoy it. Oh, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, <laughs> man. So when's the projected opening? Uh, so I get the keys for. September 1st, hoping to open December. December. December's is what, what I'm shooting for.
0: And we're going to do an opening event we're together. We're going to do
1: an opening event
0: together. And it's going to be what has gone on here. Something within Absolutely. spirituality yeah. and exploring that and healing and with music and special, guests. guess. Oh, yes. I cannot wait to... Tell the world. Well, so. and I'm looking forward to working. I start work with your roommate and best friend next week. Yeah. we begin our sessions. I and mean, we're stopping ours. Yeah. And I've worked with <laughs> your mother now. I've worked with your sister. I've worked with your cousin. Yeah. It's a really interesting thing. Yeah. Even if it was just all about getting to a place where you could help a family with this level of trauma, it would have been all worth it. So wow. much fun. Even the car crashes that I've been in and the homelessness yeah. and all this stuff. So much fun to get to do this now with all of you. I love to hear that. Yeah, I know we're all very grateful for you. So way to go, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for everything. You know it.